I just felt this burning. Um, I write and I just want to say, say something over the youth and over the young people here. See, the old is dead and gone. The old is dead and done. No longer looking back, making up excuses for wrongs because I'm a new creation created in his image, not under condemnation, but saved through heaven's intervention. Not that I've already obtained or that I've already mastered, but I'm pressing on towards the goal his blood alone is purchased. And that is full redemption. His son's on earth like heaven. A fresh new whole perspective under the kingdom's directive because I see a new day arising for those who, who aren't compromising, who won't waver back and forth just like the tides of this world because he said that you know the truth and that it was set you free it's no longer i who live but it's him who lives through we amen bless you there's some incredible stories that form the testimonies of those who leading churches and part of the team that we on yeah yeah guys that have been in drugs and guys that have you know been pulled off the street etc but I'd like to take a minute to tell you a story that's a little different to that it's the story of my father who's sitting here today 38 years ago he bowed his knee and gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ Almost the same day, he, he got his three boys around him. The 10-year-old, that was me. The 9-year-old, that's my other brother who's sitting over there. And the 8-year-old, the little brother, who's lost all his hair and sitting over there. <laughs> he led us all to the Lord. 38 years later, those three boys are serving the Lord Jesus. And so they don't have a story that they went off the wild, beaten track and became druggies. Although those stories are great. What happened, let me tell you the story, is that six years after we got saved, I was in my mid-teens. He hooked us up to a church that was partnering with NCMI. And so 32 years ago, these three teenage boys were dragged into meetings like this. Well, they were a lot smaller. They were like as big as the stage, really. Things were just as wild in those days. In fact, the only thing that really is the same is Leon Fandal. He was snow white then and he's snow white today. He was as fervent then as he is today. But otherwise, generations have gone and generations have come. Now we're part of the old bullets and now you look at these youngsters diving off the stage. What a privilege it is to be raised in an environment like this. What a privilege. What a privilege it is to be able to raise our children in an environment like this. And to see our young guys with a glint in their eye, not for a movement, not for the nations, but for Jesus himself. And so what we're going to do now is I'm calling seven young people up onto the stage they know who they are so why don't you give them a huge round of applause while these young guys uh, come onto the stage
And so we have uh, a couple of ladies among them. This is what's common about this crew, is that they've been brought up in the church. In fact, I had them beforehand and asked them, can you guys tell me, you know, how you met Jesus? Uh, All of them have this story that goes back until, you know, they were about two or three years old. And so um, I'm just a bit worried about falling off the back here. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to wind through here. What we'd like to do this afternoon is to find out a little bit of their story and uh, what it's like today, 2015, to be uh, in what God's doing among us. So we're going to start with a youngster, Elijah. Elijah, can you see your mom and dad? Can you see your mom and dad? Mom and dad, wave at us. There's Elliot and Jolly Sonjika. Our dad sitting in the front row with a camera. So Elijah, you're 13 years old, right? Now you've got an unusual story, but it's a fantastic story. So why don't you take one or two minutes and tell us about your life uh, for the last 13 years. Um, good, good afternoon, everybody. Um, my story is... Um, I got adopted at 11 months and um, abandoned at two months. And uh, the way God's been working through my life has been really awesome. Um, you know, growing up as a child, my dad being in the ministry half the time. So it's, it's been a really great experience. And um, for once in my life, I actually never doubted any call that God's given me. Um, I've just, yeah, gone with it and it's been really cool. Elijah, is it true... I heard from somebody who knows you that you preached the other day. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> like to a bunch of old guys like this. And you said something that day when you were preaching to that crowd about your biological mom. Do you remember what you said? Would you mind sharing... Because that was like the heart of your message. Could you mind sharing that for a few seconds? Um, what I said was that I was talking about adoption. And I, was, I mentioned a point that I wouldn't have been able to forgive my biological mother if I didn't have the love of God within me. And um, that if I didn't forgive her, that was, that was going to hold my life down. But because I forgave her, now I can hold my head up high. That's incredible, man. Incredible. Incredible. Okay, one last question, one last question. What, look into your future, the future of Elijah. What do you see? What do you dream of? Um, I've always dreamed to be a a rugby player. Um, (laughs) 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 Um, But, you know, I also also do feel the call of God in my life to preach and to do a bit of what my dad's doing. Wow. Wow, incredible, incredible. Well done. Let's take it down to the next youngest. Lana in the end there. Lana, why don't you tell us where you're from? Um, I'm from Adelaide, Australia. Australia. Mom and dad, very brave church planters. Lana, you have a word from the Lord for us. So, um, She was waiting on God this week, and God spoke deeply to her, so we're going to let her share her word. 
So this morning I woke up at about two o'clock. Um, I just had a stirring in my heart and I couldn't go back to sleep. So I got up and I just went and sat on the couch and started just writing what I felt I needed to write. And a few days ago on Tuesday, I had been looking, just looking through the Bible and I looked upon um, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, 6 to 10 says, Without faith, no one can please God. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is real and that he rewards those who truly want to find him. It was by faith that Noah heard God's warnings about these things that he could not yet see. He obeyed God and built a large boat to save his family. By his faith, Noah showed that the world was wrong and he became one of those who were made right with God through faith. It was by Abraham, it was by faith Abraham obeyed God's call to go to another place God promised to give him. He left his own country not knowing where it was to go. It was by faith that he lived like a foreigner in the country God promised to give him. He lived in tents with Isaac and Jacob who received the same promise from God. Abraham was waiting for the city waiting for the city that has real foundations, the city planned and built by God. When I was reading this, I just felt that it was for the future generation, the now generations, just that we have to be bold. We can't hold back in our faith. And if we don't obey what God has got planned for us, how can we be effective in this world? How can we show his love? So, so yeah, just be bold and courageous. Incredible word. And you do know that's not Greg Garrett's daughter, hey? So God gave you that word on faith uh, before Greg even preached this morning. Isn't that incredible? Okay, we're going to go in order of age. So if you get the baton down to Ezekiel, yeah? Zeke? Zeke, why don't you tell us uh, where you're from? Um, I'm originally from California. What up? Hey. Um, but I moved to Colorado uh, when I was 11 years old. Tell so, us how you met Jesus. Um, I want to say it was, I was really young. Uh, I was five or six, and I was going to Turning Point Church at the time. Um, and I asked my dad and Kevin, Kevin Booth... Um, what God was all about and how he could impact my life. Um, and I've been a Christian ever since. Wow, wow, great, man. And uh, maybe just a couple of moments. What, what's it been like uh, being a son of a guy in the ministry? And, uh, and particularly recently, you've been involved in a church plant. What's it been like? Um, for me, it's always been... A family that's centered around Jesus. Hmm. Um, from when I was really small, I can remember even when my parents weren't home, I could always know that I could go to somebody and talk to them about the Bible or any questions I had. I could go to anybody I wow. wanted to, really. Um, wow, brilliant! And what? And what's? What are you dreaming about? Uh, I have a huge heart for Europe. Like. Um, <laughs> Do you want to pray for Europe, or do you want to go there? Uh, I want to go there. I've been invited by several people to <laughs> go this down. This week? Uh, this week, and, or for, I want to say, two years, two and a half years. Oh, wow. Um, but even before then, I've always 
dreamt of going and being involved in the church in Europe. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Is this fancy thing here putting you guys off? There's a camera that's looking straight at them in the front here. So amongst these guys here, there are also three elders. So uh, they're young, but they're elders. Let's go to the grandpa among them first, Caleb. Jeez. Caleb is uh, 27, but figure this, he's already been married six years. I'm 28, and I've been married seven years. Okay, wow, wow. Just my wife's in the audience, so I just uh, make it right. Well, why don't you tell us how you, why don't you tell us how you met her? Yeah, me, me and my wife, Jennifer, we met um, at school, but mostly at church. Uh, she got saved in our church, started going to our church, and... Um, you know, just started becoming a part of our youth group, actually became really close friends with my twin sister, Kate. Um, and so we, she was around the house a lot and just, uh, just got close to her. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just, it's God though, because uh, just her story, um, you know, she could have ended up a lot of different places. I won't go into that, but um, our, my testimony with her is that uh, we waited, we just were friends for many years. And then right out of high school, uh, we we're both 18 and God just really put something in my heart for her. And um, we, I uh, started dating and uh, we really wanted to do it, you know, in a, in a godly way. At the time I had just become an elder. I was, you know, just been handed over the youth ministry from, from Darian. And, um, you know, it was just a lot, a lot of responsibility on my part and her part to do it the right way, God's way. And so um, we really dedicated ourselves to being um, pure and so one of the, the main things we did was we didn't even kiss on the lips until we got married. We really wow. just, you know, dedicated our lives wow. to God. And uh, it wasn't my idea. It was actually hers. Um, <laughs> so I'm not some super spiritual, like, you know, I'm, I'm a guy. So uh, she, uh, you know, it was something that she had got to put on her heart as a kid. And, um, and so, but anyways, we, we dated, got married at 20 years old. And the first time we kissed was when we got married. And so it was like a really cool part of our testimony and, and something, you know, just, you know, wow. a part of it kind of put us forward. Wow. That's incredible. So she married an elder. You're an elder as a single man. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, what are you two dreaming about? What's, what are we dreaming about? Yeah. Oh, we're so, we're so busy where we're at right now. She, um, we're both just plowing ahead in our, our, our campus and in our ministry, um, you know, really just dreaming about, um, you know, what God has for our church and for us. We really believe we're, we're in the right place, the right season, and just about being faithful. But now I have two daughters, two little girls, and uh, I just, you know, just want to be able to send them off in the right direction wow. as well, you know, wow. just, and, and, and be, the, be the father, be the, the man of God that I need to be for them. So. Okay. Now with the elder hat on. Not with the pastor's son's hat on. Yeah. You're talking to the young guys. Yeah. What one thing would you say yeah. uh, to them to, to help them lay hold of the call of God in their lives? Sure. Um, yeah, just one thing. Uh, 
you know, with my dad, he brought me on uh, when I was 18, and um, for me, it was something that was already working at a lot younger age. Mm. And so for me, it was a confirmation of what God was already doing. It wasn't stepping into a role I wasn't ready for. It was something, stepping into something that God, you know, had said yes to me for my life. So when I, you know, it was uh, just a confirmation. So my dad really opened a lot of doors for me to be able to do that, um, and God's grace was on me. And so if I just had one thing, just uh, be confident mm. You know, don't be cocky, don't be prideful, but be yeah. confident in who God, what gifts God's given you. Mm-hmm. Because when you're in a room full of other elders um, that are a lot older than you, married, and yeah. you're the one single guy in the room, uh, it can be a little bit intimidating. And you yeah. can kind of just sit there and say, well, what do I have to offer yeah. to the group and to yeah. the church? Yeah. And other than just, you know, talking to teenagers. Um, yeah. and, and really, I just realizing that, you know what, I do have a voice that God's given me, something that's already at a just young age. And I just need to be able to, to be confident in that. Mm. So. Mm. so when did you know? When did you know you were going to step into ministry? 12 years old. 12 years old. Um, yeah. I, uh, we were at a retreat with our, our youth, and I, I came up with the expectation, Lord, I want you to tell me what I'm going to do with my life at 12 wow. years old. I don't know why, wow. but I really had that. And I uh, just, God spoke over me. Someone was praying for me, and I just got, you know, kind of like, really just uh, into the spirit. And the Lord told me, you're going to be a pastor, a lead wow. pastor. Wow. And so, um, you know, that's down the road someday. God's taking yeah. me there. But uh, just, I really feel like God called me to full-time ministry. So because I had that call, it was just really helped too, because it wasn't something I was, you know, f- f- just doing because my dad did it, but, mm. or my parents did it, but something I felt like I had, I, I was always confident because I had the word from God myself. Wow. So cool. Cool. Incredible. Let's hear from another one of the ladies again. This is Ruth Wimble. So uh, she, she wouldn't tell you this, but I'll tell you this. She's in her mid-twenties, but uh, she could show Margaret Thatcher how to lead a country, I think. Uh, she is a qualified, she's got a science degree was in the secular world for a little season, but we pulled her into the church and she is now our church administrator. There are stacks and stacks of elders that take their instructions from her. So don't let those cute little looks (laughs) deceive you. And this is a very competent preacher and uh, a leader in the the church. So uh, Ruth, you come out of an unusual family. Uh, Tell us what it was like being the baby in that family. Okay, so I have three brothers and a sister, and I'm the youngest, and I don't remember when I got saved exactly, but it was a very Christian family. Um, I remember getting tongues. I was walking along the street with my mom, and I remember I started speaking in this funny language, and I asked her, what is that? Because I was six, and she said, no, that's tongues, and so that was my first memory of like an encounter with the Lord. I grew up in a family that was always at church. I grew up in a family, the first time I heard the Lord was thanks to my brother Mark here in the front. He said to me that he needed direction for his life and he needed to hear the Lord. He had heard the Lord, but he wanted confirmation. So he's giving me 10 minutes to go into my room, ask the, word, <laughs> the Lord for a word, and then come out and tell him, and then he'll tell me if it was right or not. So that was my first encounter. Have you discipled by your brothers? Yes, very yeah. much so. Um, yeah, we were in the church. I remember falling asleep on countless different people's tell floors. Tell me about family devotions. What are family yes. devotions? Family devotions, so there were five of us kids, so we were woken up very early to have our own personal quiet times. 
Then at like half past six, we were summoned into the dining room where we would sing a song of worship. <laughs> and then we had family quiet time, and there were five kids, so we I, each got a day. I must just say, day. they can all sing. That does help. Yes, you can all sing. Mm. Um, and we each got a day, and my dad would ask, what did the Lord uh, say to you in your quiet time today? So like Friday, because I was the youngest, you knew you had to have a good quiet time that day to share what the Lord had said to you in your quiet time. So, yeah, that's you know, my not, family. Not every family is going to roll like that, but I'll tell you, this family, the three boys are all pastors. The one sister's a worship leader, and this is the baby. Ruth, can we just short-circuit, you know, 15 great years, and I know that in the middle of your teenage years, you went through a very difficult stage of your life. Uh, I've checked this with Ruth beforehand, and so she's happy to share it, but I I wonder if you could just let us in just very briefly into what you went through. Yes, so I was 12, I remember I was grade 7, and I lived across the road from my school, and I remember coming home from school one day, and usually my mom was there and she'd be baking, and that day she wasn't there, and the police were in my driveway, And my dad, he wasn't a pastor, despite what it might have sounded like. He was an insurance broker. And he was out in the farmlands, and so he wasn't there. And the policeman said to me, your mom is not here. She went out for a walk early in the morning, and she hasn't come back. And the maid was a bit worried where she had gone, and so we're just looking for her. And so you sort of don't know what to make of that at 12. And 24 hours later, they found her, and she was at the bottom of a ravine. And she had struggled with depression her whole life, and um, she had taken some ant poison, and and it had gone into her body, and she was lying there unconscious. And so they airlifted her to the hospital, to Gray's Hospital. And I remember seeing her and just not recognizing that this is my mom. She was all swollen. She had a trachea. She couldn't breathe by herself. She had feeding tubes down her nose, and she was unconscious, and she just lay there. And I remember thinking, like, who does that? Like, when you're 12, you haven't gone to high school yet, you haven't experienced womanhood yet, and, and your mom doesn't want to be there for that. And she was in hospital for a month, and I remember the church is an amazing place to be when, when tragedy hits. And I remember meals coming and people looking after me, people taking me for movies. I remember countless people praying over her that she'll be healed, reading the scripture, you know, she'll drink deadly poison and it won't harm her. And I remember praying and praying and praying with such faith as you do as a child, thinking God is going to heal her. She's going to wake up. She's going to breathe. She's going to eat by herself. And then two weeks in, I remember Moira Oliver coming to our home, and she sat our family down, and she said, be careful what you pray. Don't pray, God, heal her. Pray, Lord, let your will be done. Whatever you see is best, do that. And I remember we started to change the way we prayed, sort of in total surrender to the Lord, saying, Lord, whatever you think is best, we trust you completely. We don't understand, but we trust you. And two weeks later, she went home to be with the Lord, absolutely restored in her body. But I remember feeling so angry and not understanding how, how, how is it this is the God we serve And I remember standing around her bed, and my dad started singing, and he started singing, When peace like a river attendeth my soul, it is well, it is well, it is well. And I was very angry for the next few years. I didn't talk about her. I figured if she didn't want to be here, then she didn't deserve coming up in conversation. And I I, I remember watching my dad. I never saw him angry. I never saw him point a finger at God. 
I, what happened to my dad when my mom died is, is it was an excuse to serve the Lord all the more. And my dad also passed away last year, and I remember standing around his bedside and as kids sort of feeling shattered that this is happening all over again, knowing the realities of life. But as he breathed his last breath, the thing that we were singing around his bed was, when peace like a river attendeth my soul, it is well, it is well, it is well. My dad left me with a theology that it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter your pain. We all serve the Lord. Wow. Wow. Ruth, you're an amazing lady, and he's got a, God's got a huge call in your life. Um, take a couple of seconds and tell us, what do you see in your future? Okay, well, um, next year we're moving to Durban to plant a site, so I see a lot of people getting saved. Um, but yeah, my dream for my life would really be to just go where God calls me to. I remember when I was a teenager, I said I was never, ever going to work for the church. And you can fight the Lord, but he will win. And so <laughs> I don't want to fight him anymore. I just want to go where he, where he calls me. Wow, beautiful. Leon. Here's the Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> You're also from a big family, Leon? Yes, a family of seven, including me. Are you the oldest? Yes, I'm the oldest. I've got three younger brothers and a younger sister um, and a beautiful mum and dad. Wow. Yes. For those who don't know whose dad was, he preached first up yesterday. That's my dad. That's your dad. He's a foot shorter than you, but he's your dad. Correct. He's also smaller than me, shorter than me, and weaker than me, but that's okay. We're praying for him. We're praying for him. But he can preach your dad. Eh? He can, he can preach. He can preach. Yeah. <laughs> so you're an elder as well, yeah? Yes, I'm an elder. How um, did that happen? Tell us, a, tell so, us that story. Um, how did that happen? That's a good question. Um, I guess, um, yeah. I mean, I've been involved in the life of the church since as young as I can remember. Um, I mean, growing up in the church, I remember dad just at home reading the words to me, spending time with me, things like that. But amongst that whole thing, he involves me in the life of the church to ask me what I thought about things, even just as a kid, you know, and that could be pretty weird to some, but that was just showing, you know, him showing me how much he valued my opinion and, and what I thought and what I believed and stuff like that. So growing up in the church like that, serving and, and being a part of the whole thing and being a part of the vision, um, I guess I just really caught um, what it meant to be a part of a church. And yeah, earlier this year, um, I was asked to be come, uh, to come on to eldership Darren, um, Alana's father, ordained me. It was amazing. And yeah. So how old are you now? 21. You married? Not yet. Not yet. You planning on that? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When I say the church, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Wow. Um, I guess there's so much that comes to mind, but... Like, like that was said early, a couple times earlier, like you've got the community of the church, which is amazing. Like the fact that you can go out with people, like you've got Sunday church, but then you've got church, the church, the people uh, that do life together. Um, you've got discipleship that ha- happens during the week, doing life with people, spending time in homes, having dinners with people. And I guess just having that support around you uh, to help you grow up 
in the life of the church is just priceless. Like, there's nothing else like it in the world. So, wow. it's pretty amazing. Fantastic. Yes. Fantastic. Let's go to the last uh, of our panel. Josh, so we're going across uh, the Tasman to New Zealand. Josh Bench, he's also married. He's also an elder. How long have you been married, Josh? Ten months. Ten months. And how many days? (laughs) You were telling us earlier about a miracle that's just happened. You know, provision-wise, tell us about that. Yeah, so this is our this is one of our cool God stories. We got many, but this one's awesome. And um, we had just gone away on honeymoon, and we had a house lined up that we'd prayed for, and it was everything we'd prayed specifically, and it was the golden egg. And then halfway through our honeymoon, we come back, and we realised that the golden egg wasn't so golden, and uh, and it was turned out to be a really dodgy deal. And so we were in this wrestle of, oh Lord, we felt like this was an answer to prayer. How can this be an answer to prayer if, if it's now compromising my integrity? The guy was trying to do us a favor, but he didn't have the same morals we did. And so we got challenged by the Lord. It felt like he said, I can't give you all the steps, guys, but I'll give you this one. Step away from the house. So now we had nowhere to live, and I just promised Rosie's family that um, I was going to look after her. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. So we go to Rosie's nana, <laughs> who lives in the same city, and we said, listen, we're homeless. And, and, uh, and she said, listen, my home is your home. And so that was amazing, but also a little bit awkward. And, um, and, and when we felt like God said, just wait, I've got this. I've got this. Be patient. Now, you've you got to understand, half of my stuff is in my parents' garage, and then the other half is in my brother-in-law's garage. We're inconveniencing people. We're, in, we're staying with, with Rosie's nana. Now, Rosie's family... St- like some of them that don't know Christ start getting a little bit antsy that we're freeloading off the nan and it's awkward, okay? It's awkward. Um, but the sense of, no, 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 Josh, I need you to just wait. And so six weeks of awkward. And, um, and then we felt like there was a release. So we, we found a, a place to rent in a place called Narawahia. And um, you, who knows Narawahia? Yeah, okay, cool. How, by the way? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, anyway, we found a place to rent there. It was re- super cheap. It was a one-bedroom plus an office, and it, w- it was for this amount of price. And I said to Rosie, what do you think about it? And she said, I don't feel like it's the right house, but I feel like this is the right move. And I said, that's not helpful. Um, <laughs> but it turns out to be super profound. And so we applied for this house, and we got it. This was on the Friday, and we said to the real estate agent, hey, we want to move in on the Monday. They said, brilliant. So I called them first thing Monday. I say, listen, we've got a funeral today. Um, I'm going to be busy. Can I just come in first thing and sign the papers? And they say, actually, the papers aren't ready. Come back at lunchtime. Fine. So 11 a.m. rocks around. I'm getting ready in my office to go and sign these papers for this house. I get a phone call. So I pick it up. That's what phones sound like. They don't. And, um, and I, said, I said, hello. And they said, hey, Josh, um, have you guys signed up with that house in here yet? And I said, no, no, we're about to. We're pretty excited. And they said, well, actually, we've just, we're involved with a house that, in, in Chartwell, and it's a three-bedroom, and we'd like to offer it to you guys. And I said, I said wow, that's amazing. Um, thank you, but there's no way we can afford a house in Chartwell. It's quite nice, and it's just renting even, but we, we poor. And, um, <laughs> and, and they said, oh, okay, well, what were you going to pay in Narawahia? 
And I said this. And he goes, okay, let me chat to my wife. Hang up. I'm like, okay. Calls back. Yeah, you can have it for that price. Wow. wow. Amazing. Amazing. And then, no, no, it gets better. It gets better. And then we talk, we're talking. And he, and he goes, um, oh, by the way, the person that's leaving the house also left our, you know, left our company. We're looking for someone. And I said, oh, well, actually, my, my wife Rosie's moving cities. Would you, would you want her to work for you? He said, oh, let me chat to my wife. <laughs> so he hangs up, and then I get a call back. Yeah, yeah, actually, we'd love that. We'd love to um, have an interview. And then we keep talking, and oh, by the way, the job comes with a car. Come on. Yeah, Come yeah, on. yeah. It gets better. And, and then, oh, oh, by the way, it also comes with a new phone. And, um, and so we start journeying with these people, and I'm not kidding. And, and, and it's just, it's like, um, uh, it's just God's provision as we walk through this. Now, this company have financed us to come on this trip. They believe that God, I don't know, they just believe in what God's doing through us and in us, so they're backing us. They've given Rosie paid leave to be here. Wow. We've been here for wow. six weeks. Wow. God's provision is just incredible. Wow. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Rosie's gran is a distant memory. <laughs> we have dinner with her every week. She's oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well done. <laughs> but yes, yes, we put, yeah. Some of you young guys might be asking the question. I mean, you've got three elders sitting here. You guys, how do they get it right? And how, how do I plot my way into my future? When I woke up this morning, I felt God gave me this, this word. That there's no politics in the kingdom of God. God's not a politician. And you can't manipulate your way into a seat of power. He has absolute power and he is the king. And he decrees. He decrees healing. He brings things, as we saw in the earlier meeting today. When he, when he decrees it, it happens. And as regards your call, he is your king. There is a psalm, Psalm 75, that says this. Promotion does not come from the east or the west or the desert. It doesn't come from the east or the west. You can imagine, you don't look this way, then that way. Where's my promotion coming from? It doesn't come from the desert. You know that some of the old time prophets had to do these things in the desert. God's not telling to you, you know, get some funny clothes and go and be a hermit for a while. And then he'll release you. Doesn't come from the east or the west or the desert, but promotion comes from the Lord. And if there's one thing, young guys, that you would have picked up from these stories is they were introduced to Jesus from a young age. And what you've been hearing day after day is far more important than anything that you will hear this week is that he himself wants to make himself known to you. And he leads you and he guides you and he promotes you. Rest in him. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks very much. Yeah, can you stay? I'm going to hand this meeting back in a moment. But I wonder if you could ask uh, everybody. We've done this already in this week. But if you're under the age of old, could you stand, please? If you're just under the age of old, you can stand. If you think you're old, stay seated. But if you're under the age of old... I'm going to ask Leon, I'm going to ask Leon to pray for us as we close. There's hardly a single soul seated, eh? 
You would never dare. Not even Leon van Dahl has seen it. Okay. It's got it. Hello. It's okay. I love old people too. Be blessed. Um, no, Father, we just, we just want to bless you in this place before all else, Lord. We just give you glory, honor, and praise. We thank you that you are a good God. You're a gracious God. You're a faithful God, Lord. We just thank you that you allow us to be a part of your commission, God. We thank you that you take us in, not because you need us, but because you want us. We thank you that you're here with us. You're God, Emmanuel, Father. And we thank you that we are equipped with the Holy Spirit. So, Father, right now, we just pray an anointing over these people, over this generation, Lord, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, Father, to the two billion that have not been reached before, God, to nations that don't know about your word yet, Father, to the, the distant tribes that don't even speak in a tongue um, that, that any of us here speak in, Father, God. I pray that you provide resources, God. I pray that you uh, provide supplies, uh, that you even stir hearts, God, um, to the things of who you are and what you want done, Father. Um, even the word that we heard last night, that we're going to see things that have never been seen and do things that have never been done, Lord. We just pray that over these people in Jesus mighty name. Amen. 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 See you tomorrow morning. Doors are open at nine o'clock. Have a great evening.